Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, February 25th, 2024, we continue our series titled, Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, The Kingdom of God, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 21. Enjoy. YouTube shorts. Ever seen these YouTube shorts? It's like when you're looking to burn five minutes or a few hours, you just get in this app and go to the shorts and your phone will just give you everything that you like. Just whatever you're into. Like I, uh, I'll pull it open and it's just YouTube shorts. It'll be like a hunting thing or a camping thing or a fishing thing or a golf thing or a CrossFit thing or a barbecue thing. Just curated things designed for me to waste my time. Uh, so I go to that, and this week, I saw this video I hadn't seen before. Is this dude, looked like a janitor type, and he's walking around a gym, and he'd always go find like the biggest, buffest, most jacked dudes in the gym, and then be deadlifting nine million pounds or something, just insane amount of weight, and this guy looks like he is not a weightlifter whatsoever, okay? He's got a wig on, he's got like a dingy hat, he's wearing stuff, it looks like he's, he's pushing a mop bucket and everything else, and he'll come up and just start mopping the floor right where these guys are lifting, And of course, they're frustrated and like, hey, we're doing something. And he starts spraying stuff and moving it. And he's like, hey, no, we're doing something right now. And then I kid you not, with one hand, this guy just picks up everything they're lifting and just walks it away and then puts it down. And these guys are just dumbfounded. They're like, what just happened? What just happened? Because on the outside, it looked like this dude has got nothing. He's not strong. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just going to get hurt. I wish I could tell you I saw that video and then I stopped. (laughs) I did not. It led me down this wormhole of all of these kind of disguised people doing amazing things. The next video I saw, I seen it like nine, 10 years ago when it came out. There was this video called Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew is a basketball player. It's actually Kyrie Irving, if you know who Kyrie Irving is, and he's wearing a disguise, full movie makeup and everything, shows up at a public park to play pickup basketball, looking like a grandpa, an out-of-shape grandpa. You know, and he kind of comes in with a cane and says he wants to play and everything else, and guys are like, no, dude, you're going to get hurt. And he's like, come on, young blood, give me a shot at this whole thing. And so he's out there playing basketball, and at first... It's like he can't dribble and he can't pass, he can't shoot, but then maybe five, 10 minutes into these games, he just turns it on and he just starts like draining everything and he's crossing guys over, he's dunking over top of them and it's amazing and all of these guys are floored. They're like, wow, there's so much going on there that I really realized. I didn't stop, I kept going, so I'm, and now I'm hooked. There's gotta be more of these things, right? I find a video called The Transfer, it's Chris Bryant, professional baseball player. Shows up at Mesa Community College, and the coach says, hey, we've got a new guy coming in, it's a transfer, I know we're mid-season, I'm sorry, but you know, it is what it is, and everyone's feeling like, oh man, he's gonna take our spot, and at first, the guy's got nothing. He can't hit, can't throw, can't do anything, but while they're taking BP, he just starts going yard, home run, on like every pitch. He's just smashing all these people yet again. They're like, how did we miss it? That guy's absolutely amazing. Surely I stopped there. I did not. I continued on. (laughs) Gordon Ramsay, the chef. There's a video of Gordon Ramsay in disguise, in a kitchen, like he's got no idea what he's doing. He's cutting stuff like I would cut stuff, and everyone's concerned like he's going to burn the place down. Uh, And then he presents this meal to the head chef of the whole place, and it's just the most astounding, delicious meal ever. 
And in each and every one of these videos, there was this idea of like, you're gonna think you're gonna get one thing, but you actually get something entirely different. You see what you see at face value, but going on behind the scenes, there's actually so much more going on. And as we look at the kingdom of God this morning, what the kingdom of God is like, I think oftentimes we look at it the same way. We see the kingdom of God for what we think it is without realizing there's so much more going on behind the scenes. So my hope and prayer this morning for us is that God would allow us to see the way that he sees, even just for a little while. First Samuel 16, verse seven says, the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks at what? The outward appearance. The outward appearance, but God looks where? He looks at the heart. He sees what's really going on. So my hope and prayer for us this morning is that as a result of the time that we have together, that maybe we could see things from a different perspective, or at very least approach life with an understanding that there's so much more going on behind the scenes than what we actually see, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. I'm gonna pray for us one more time, and then we'll hop in. God, thank you for your word. God, we believe this morning your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, our desire this morning is to submit to you, submit to your word so we can love and follow you better. God, our heart this morning is not to do religious things, to do the right things or say the right things. Our heart as members of the kingdom of God is to follow your son Jesus and to worship him the best we can. So Father, today I pray by the power of your spirit you'd open our eyes that we could see you our ears to hear you, our minds to know you, our hearts to love you, and at the end of the service, as we go out into the world, you'd open our mouths that we would speak the gospel and preach the good news to those you bring in our path. Father, we love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. The kingdom of God, what's it like? Jesus is actually gonna say that a couple times in Luke 13 this morning, what is the kingdom of God like? And he answers that question. Three points in our outline this morning, all talking about the kingdom of God. And then towards the end, we'll turn to some questions and just ask some introspective questions of ourselves. Um, Ask the Lord to convict us in that. We can repent, confess, uh, and walk in the newness of life that God gives us. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Verse 10 really sets the scene for everything that goes on in this passage. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. This is a familiar setting. And oftentimes what we see when Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, he normally goes toe to toe with these religious folks, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, because they're real concerned about legalism, doing the right thing and saying the right thing. But oftentimes they get it wrong. This is going to be one of those occasions where they get it wrong. The synagogue, think about it like going to church. Jesus is in church and he's preaching to the people. And as he's preaching to the people, there's the people who are trying to follow God and there's those who are just religious. Those are the ones who he's going to get into it with specifically about the Sabbath. He's teaching on the Sabbath. Quick history lesson on the Sabbath, where it came from, what it is, what it is for us today. God designs everything. He creates everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rests, he Sabbaths. God creates everything and then he rests. God then says, you as my chosen people, you are going to live like me. You are going to be different than the world around you. The world around you works all the time and never stops to just trust and rest in who God is. So Exodus chapter 20, 10 commandments, he says, you remember the Sabbath day 
and keep it holy. God's chosen people were meant to have a day of rest. Don't get it wrong, it's not a day of worship for those who are in Christ, who love God and follow God. Every day is a day of worship. It's not as if we get six days to our own and then the seventh day is the day we worship. No, seven days a week, 365, that's the life of a believer. Every day is a day of worship unto the Lord. The seventh day was meant for a day of rest. Exodus chapter 31, God says, as a sign of the covenant between me and my people, you will keep the Sabbath. It'll be a sign that you are different from everyone around you. You're gonna have one day a week where you'll stop and rest and really trust that God really does have the whole world in his hands, that he's got it covered. So that's the intent of the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. Stop working, rest, and trust in God, who he is, and what he's done for us. So that's the scene that we see. Jesus is preaching in a synagogue. Now we get into the kingdom of God. The first thing that we're gonna see about the kingdom of God in our text this morning is that the kingdom of God is a physical and a spiritual kingdom. It's a physical and a spiritual kingdom. There's things going on the outside physical that we can see, but there's things going on behind the scenes that are entirely spiritual. What's the kingdom of God? It's something we pray for. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that, it's the Lord's prayer. John the Baptist shows up to make the way for Jesus and what does he say? First message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus shows up on the scene. What's his first message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now alive in us, in his people, so the kingdom of God goes where God's people go and the kingdom of God is not yet. Someday we will live with him perfectly in eternity in a real physical place. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing, and the text shows us that this morning. Verse 11, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. So what's going on? We have a woman with a disability, and it says very specifically that she has a disabling spirit. Later on, Jesus calls this a demonic spirit, that she's been bound by the devil himself for 18 years. So this disabling spirit, we could say it's a dark, demonic, oppressive force. There's more going on here than what meets the eye because we might read this and what we might see is just an older woman with a hunch. Maybe you've experienced this, you have a family member who has this, maybe you yourself have struggled with this disability, Um, but it's an inability to stand up straight. It's very painful, very uncomfortable, and this is what this woman's been struggling with for 18 years. Now naturally, when I read this text, that's what I see. And to be honest, it's what I'm most comfortable with. I'm more comfortable with just a physical thing going on. I'm not as comfortable with the idea that this physical disability may be caused, and according to Jesus, is caused from a demonic disabling spirit. We have a physical disability, and at its core, it's a spiritual issue. It's demonic attack, it's demonic oppression. Now is every disability the result of spiritual demonic oppression? No. You go to John chapter nine, and we see a man born blind, and the people ask Jesus this question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus says, really, it's not a spiritual issue at all. He was born this way for the glory of God, and then God heals him. So real quick, we got two types of things going on here. We have a physical disability, John chapter nine, blindness. 
Root cause, it's physical disability. We live in a fallen world. There's sickness, there's death, there's health issues. We live in a fallen world. That's the symptom. That's what's happening. That's the problem. No spiritual demonic attack whatsoever. You go to Luke 13, we have a physical disability. What's the root cause? Spiritual demonic attack. So we have disability caused by spiritual things. We have disability called by, caused by natural things. Quick poll, and we're not gonna raise hands because I don't want anyone to lie in church this morning. Which one are you more comfortable with? Are you more comfortable with the idea that physical disabilities are just physical, that sicknesses, pains, issues we have in our life are purely physical, or are you more comfortable with the idea that every disability, everything we face, every physical symptom, pain that we have in life at its root core issue is a demonic oppressive force. I can tell you where I'm at. I happily live in this category. I would rather stick with what's happening at face value and totally miss what's going on behind the scenes. But the problem is what we see here from Jesus is that the kingdom of God is both a physical thing but it's also a spiritual thing. Our tendency is to either uh, under-spiritualize things or maybe over-naturalize things or you may have a tendency to over-spiritualize everything. You've probably experienced people who live both ways. I remember 10 years ago, I had hip surgery, I had jacked up hips, so I had hip surgery done, and one of my physical therapies, they're, like, they're dropping elbows on me and doing the needling things and everything else. She was a believer, great gal, great gal. Um, she tended to over-spiritualize things sometimes. At the time, my wife and I were trying to sell a house, and I'm just telling her about life, and she said, you know what you gotta do? You remember the story of Jericho? I said, yeah, I remember the story of Jericho. You and your wife, you gotta march around that house seven times and you gotta blow those trumpets loud and then your house will get sold. And I said, if I remember the story correctly, that house fell down. <laughs> like maybe they were confused about what the intended goal is here. <laughs> Trying to sell the house, not destroy it, but you know, thank you. There was a little bit of a tendency to like over-spiritualize some things, but also I could lean over here and say, no, don't trust God, we've got it. We're gonna keep it clean with little kids in the house, good luck, take nice pictures, and we'll post it at a reasonable competitive price so that we naturalize things. I don't know where you're at, but it'd be good for us to figure out this morning, what's our tendency, which way do we lean? Because what we see in the text is this physical disability is caused by a spiritual demonic oppression. There's more going on than what meets the eye. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Wonderful response. God sets her free and she glorifies God. Surely no one would take issue with this. Wrong. Who takes issue with it? It's the religious folks. Specifically because he's done something on the Sabbath. They totally miss the kingdom of God. Here's the second part of your outline this morning. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love, not a kingdom of legalism. It's a kingdom of love, not a kingdom of legalism. But the ruler of the synagogue, this is the person who would be kind of presiding over the service that day making sure everything goes according to their plan. He was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, 
not on the Sabbath day. I'm gonna go left real quick to Matthew chapter 12. You can follow me if you want. You really don't need to. I'll be pretty quick here. Um, Because this issue has come up before and the real issue at hand here is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it okay for Jesus to do these things on the Sabbath? Because this is what the religious folks had issue with. Matthew 12, verse nine. Jesus went from there and entered their synagogue. Yet again, he's in the synagogue. And the synagogue goes toe-to-toe with the religious folks. And a man there was born, uh, there was a man there with a withered hand and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Okay, all sorts of rules and regulations regarding the Sabbath. And again, all these rules and regulations, they're intended, uh, the intended purpose was so that people would really rest. They would stop from their work and they would trust God and realize and recognize that God really does have the whole world in his hands. He's got it all under control. Trust God to provide. Trust God to work. Rest. But if it's the day of rest and one of your sheeps falls into a hole, which one of you won't just reach in and grab it out? Like, would you really say, you know, sorry, sheep, Really hope the wolves don't come in tonight. Best of luck. Hopefully I'll get you tomorrow. No, the answer is of, of, you'd all reach in. You'd, all, you'd help your sheep. Verse 12, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He equates the man with a withered hand to something like a sheep who's fallen into a hole and said, y'all would help a sheep. You're telling it's wrong for me to help a person? Yes, it's lawful and good to do good on the Sabbath. Go back to Luke chapter 13 because this is the same issue they have with Jesus here. Come on those days and be healed. Verse 15, then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? The answer is yes, all of you do this for your animals. You treat your animals better than you treat people. You ever met someone who loves their dog like a little too much? You know what I mean? It's Valentine's Day, gotta put sparkles in her little thing. You're pushing around on your stroller. If that's you, I love you. I'm, I'm sure you rock it. We've met these people who treat people or treat pets better than they treat people. Yesterday we came home from a bunch of baseball games and there's my sweet, innocent, pepper, glitter, sparkles, Slager. She's wagging her tail right there at the door and we drop to a knee and it's poop, 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 pepper pie, baby dog. Right? You know what kind of reading I give my friend Brian? Hey. No, we wouldn't be friends if I did that. But that's what's going on here. You treat your pets better than you treat people. Your sheep falls into a hole, you're okay getting it out, you hypocrite. You're telling these people they can't do it, but you'll do it. Just a few weeks ago, we were reading the passage, right? Does God provide for the birds? Does God care for the birds? Does God provide for the grass? Does God care for the grass? Are people more valuable than birds and grass? And the answer was yes. 
If God cares for those things, how much more will he care for his people? It's the same heart here. You care for your pets. You care for your animals, your donkey and your ox. How much more should you care for God's people? That's what he says in verse 16. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Okay, you loose your ox, you loose your donkeys to lead them to water. Is it unreasonable and unlawful for God himself to loose this woman from the bondage that she's been in to lead her towards freedom? They're so caught up in the do this and don't do this, and yet Jesus says, no, you've missed it completely. It's about love. All of the rules, all the regulations, all the commands, it's all meant to point us towards love. Love of God and recognition that we need God and love towards God's people. Matthew chapter 22, a lawyer asked Jesus, what's the most important law? Most important law in the whole book, what is it? And Jesus says, the most important law, number one, love God with everything you have, your heart, soul, mind, strength, every ounce of your being, you love God. And secondly, you love people as you love yourself. Everything in the Old Testament, all the law, all the prophets hinges on those things. That's the purpose. All the rules, the regulations, the commands are intended for us to love God and for us to love people. They're just caught up in the rules. Verse 17, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. What's the glorious things done by him? Well, in Luke chapter six, we see that Jesus is the Lord of Sabbath. What is Sabbath? Sabbath is rest. So here we have the Lord of rest who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you what? Rest. We have Jesus, the Lord of rest, giving rest on the day of rest to a woman who has not rested in 18 years. And everyone sees it for what it is. And they rejoice and they glorify God for who he is and what Christ had done. Verse 18, we'll move on. Jesus asked these questions. What is the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is unstoppable. That's the third thing we see in our text this morning. The kingdom of God is unstoppable. Jesus said, therefore, what's the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. What's the kingdom of God like? Well, that may seem small and insignificant, but, but once the kingdom of God has arrived, it's completely unstoppable. A mustard tree, it starts as a seed. It's about one millimeter to two millimeters uh, at its biggest. A two millimeter mustard seed, huge mustard seed. But that little seed turns into a tree that's about 20 to 30 feet tall and about just as wide and provides a rest and a home for all of the birds who would rest in it. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's seemingly insignificant that grows into something marvelous. What's the kingdom of God like? It's like taking a little bit of yeast, a little bit of of leaven and putting it in what the text says is like 50 pounds of flour just a little tiny bit of yeast and a giant ball of dough, it's unstoppable. 
that whole thing continues to expand. It's seemingly insignificant at first, just like Jesus, just like the family he came from, just like the town he grew up in. He was born to a no-name mom, had a no-name dad in a no-name town. In fact, when he was born, someone told me this this week, I thought it was quite funny. When Jesus was born, there was no room for him at the end. But now, uh, Jesus owns more real estate than anyone else in the entire world. Seemingly insignificant, entirely unstoppable. And what we see at the end of the book is that no one can thwart or stop the kingdom of God. And even when we feel uh, in our fear that Jesus is losing some ground, or when we're afraid based on what's going on around us and the world going around us and this is getting taught and this is in the news and all these things and, and it seems like Jesus is losing some ground and, and it may seem like the kingdom of God is shrinking, just remember it's not. The kingdom of God is like a tiny seed that turns into a massive tree that never stops growing. The kingdom of God, though seemingly small at first, is like a little bit of leaven stuck into a giant ball of dough and that ball of dough will continue to rise for all of eternity He's the only king with the rule and a reign that will never end. He's the only king with the rule and a reign that's entirely unstoppable. The kingdom of God is unstoppable. So what's the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is both physical and spiritual. What we gotta do is ask God to give us his eyes so we can see what's really going on. The Lord sees not as man sees. You and I, we tend to look at the outward appearance, but God sees what's really going on behind the scenes. The kingdom of God is both spiritual, but the kingdom of God is also physical. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love, not legalism. It's not all about do, 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 don't, 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 say this, don't say this. All of those things are in place to guide us so that we would love God and we would love people. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of legalism. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. And thirdly, the kingdom of God is entirely unstoppable. So what? I wanna ask us three questions that maybe each of us can ask ourselves this morning. My encouragement to you is to be open and honest so that we can confess those things uh, and just walk in the newness of life and the freedom that's found in Christ and in Christ alone. Here's the first question. How do you see the world around you? How do you see the world around you? Do you just see what's going on the surface? Do you just see the physical? Do you just see the outward appearance? Or do you try to see how God sees with an understanding that there may be so much more going on than what meets the eye? Ephesians chapter six says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not people. Our battle is not what's going on the surface level. Our battle is not just the things that we see. Our battle is the things of what's going on behind the scenes. Spiritual forces, demonic oppressions, that's our battle. Demons, the devil. Our battle is going on in things we can't even see. So are we gonna be stuck forever in this idea where we over-naturalize everything? Or do you see the world in such a way where there's room for supernatural? Where there's room for the understanding that there might be more going on here than just what meets the eye because that's what Jesus reveals to us in this miracle. How do you see the world around you? Second question, how do you practice Christ-like love and compassion? 
How do you practice Christ-like compassion and love? What's compassion? The word literally means moved in the bowels, which is kind of gross. We might say more like, oh, I'm just moved, like I feel it in my gut, my, my heart goes out to them. Maybe you've said that before, maybe you've heard that before. You know, my heart just really goes out to them as I feel bad. But compassion is more than just feeling bad. Compassion is my heart goes out to them and my hands and feet quickly follow when I do something about it. That's what we see with Jesus here in Luke chapter 13. He sees a woman with a disability and has compassion on her. He sees a woman which honestly, many of us would feel uncomfortable. Jesus is compassionate. He sees someone who maybe many of us in this room, because this person is different, we may turn the other way because we don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and we don't totally know what's going on there. Do you know what Jesus says? He sees her and he says, daughter, come here. He has compassion on her. Colossians 3 tells us then to put on compassionate hearts. Why would we have to put on a compassionate heart? Because naturally, we don't have compassionate hearts. Naturally, we don't. That's why the text says, man, put that on. Put on the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is a compassionate heart. Do we practice Christ-like compassion and love? I'm gonna call my friend Eddie Jackson out. Eddie's gonna help me uh, illustrate what love is um, because this is what happens in 1 Corinthians 13. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 13 if you want. Eddie's gonna help me illustrate a point that the apostle Paul makes here in the text. Give it up for Eddie. Thanks for playing the drums this morning, by the way. We appreciate you. I will say, based on applause, I think first service was more appreciative than second service. <laughs> wah, wah. I would completely reject the sympathy on that. I would not even take it. First Corinthians 13 says this, if I speak in the tongues of men of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What's the point he's making? If you do all the Christian things, if you do all the stuff, if you have all the spiritual gifts and you got it all going on but you're not a lover of God and a lover of people, you're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. If I do all the things, if I say all the right things, if I have all the spiritual gifts, if I live my life in such a way where I'm martyred because of the life I live but I'm not a lover of people, I'm just a massive distraction to the work of Jesus. I'm gonna give you the secret to love real quick because Paul gives that verse four all the way through 13 and you're really gonna help me drive this home real quick. So here's what this text says. This is how to be a a lover of people. Are you ready for the secret sauce? They're on a roll, my friend. (laughs) Lean in with me. Are you ready for the secret to love? Here we go. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. It 
bears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Did you get it? See, we laugh about it, but, but many of us are living our life like a distracting symbol. Thank you, you can bring that away. I don't want you to hit it again, it was really loud. We can laugh because it's silly, but that's some of us in this room. For real. God is moving through this church. God is moving through all sorts of churches in the valley. God is moving through his kingdom, taking ground, expanding the kingdom of God. And there's people in this church and in churches all over the place who are more concerned about doing all the things than they are about loving people. And God says, do you know what you're like? You're like a loud, distracting, noisy gong, distracting everyone from the real work of the gospel of Jesus? Do we practice Christ-like compassion and love? Or are we more concerned with doing all the things and doing the right things, more concerned about our legalism? Do we practice Christ-like compassion and love? Third question is this, how are you suppressing the kingdom of God in your own life, and I'll invite the band out as we close with this before we take communion. How are you suppressing the kingdom of God in your own life? Okay, the kingdom of God is unstoppable, it is. You can't stop it, I can't stop it, no one can stop it. It'll continue expanding through, through all of time here on earth, and then it'll reign and rule forever in heaven. But here's what I know to be true of my own life. Acts chapter one, verse eight, God says, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Ephesians one says, if you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Therefore, you are a witness of Jesus Christ. But I've had all sorts of experiences in my own life where I feel like the kingdom of God is trying to spread into the lives of people around me. And you know what I do? I shrink back in fear. I don't know what to say to that person. God, I know you want me to, to, to spread the gospel. God, I know you want me to love them just like Jesus would love them. I know this is an opportunity for the, the kingdom of God to continue spreading, to continue to take ground in our community and in our state and in our country and in the world, but I'm a little afraid that I might say the wrong thing. I'm a little afraid at the question that I might ask her. Do you know what, God, frankly, I'm just not in the mood today. So we suppress it. Or maybe it's your own heart. Uh, John chapter three, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. It goes on and talks about this truth, that the true light has come. Jesus, the light of the world has come. But you know who hates the light? Darkness. And sometimes you and I, though we are in Christ who is the light of the world and though you and I are the light of the world, sometimes in our own hearts we hold on to a little bit of darkness and we won't give it over to Jesus suppressing the kingdom of God. He wants our whole heart. He wants our whole life. He wants everything we have to offer him. Would we come to him this morning and lay everything at his feet? Would we submit to him? Would we submit to him as he rules and reigns over this kingdom, this kingdom that's physical, this kingdom that's also spiritual? Would we see things the way that God sees? Would we recognize there's more going on behind the scenes than what meets the eye? 
as we live in this kingdom of God, would we be not so concerned about the legalism, the do's, the don'ts, but would we see those things, the commands that God's given us as instruction for how we ought to love God and love people, and would each of us live in such a way where we truly believe and practice that the kingdom of God is unstoppable? Would we not just believe it, but would we allow his kingdom to expand through our lives each and every day, amen? You should have received a communion cup on your way in. If you did it, there may be one in a seat back in front of you, um, or you can raise your hand and our communion team will gladly come over and distribute a communion cup to you this morning. Communion gives us a chance to look three ways. To look back, who God is, what he's done, who Jesus is, what Christ has done for us. That Jesus lived the perfect life we couldn't live, that God sent him here to do that for us that he ultimately took a cross to die the death to pay the penalty for our sin. It's the death that you and I deserve to die. The good news of the gospel, the scriptures teach that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, defeating death, that if we'd place our our faith, our hope, and our trust in him, that we could live with him forever. We look back, we rejoice, we thank God for who he is and what he's done. We don't just look back, we also look forward. We look forward to a day where we'll dwell in heaven forever. Uh, A friend of mine this week let me know his wife was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And and what we shared together was, man, this is just such a reminder of how good heaven's going to be. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more fear. All those things are gone. Just total peace and joy and love in heaven with God forever. A kingdom that will reign forever. That's the day we look forward to. But here and now in our life right now, communion also gives us an opportunity to look in. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, The scriptures teach us to search our hearts, to search our hearts that we wouldn't take communion. We wouldn't just do these religious things. Just doing religious things would actually heap judgment upon our own heads. I don't want that for you this morning. In fact, if you're not a believer in this place this morning, this would just be a religious thing for you to do, and I'd ask you to abstain from taking communion with us this morning. Father, would you search our hearts this morning? Would you know our hearts? Would you try us and know our anxious thoughts? Would you help us see any of the grievous ways within us, the ways in which we're still holding on to sin, living in sin? Father, would we repent as you lead us in your way everlasting? On the night Jesus was betrayed, he was in an upper room with his friends enjoying a meal, and during the meal, he took a piece of bread and he broke it, and he said, do this as often as you do this, in remembrance of him. In the same way, he took a cup and he said, this cup represents a new covenant, my blood that's poured out for you. We do this as often as we do it in remembrance of him. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you that your son, King Jesus, sits on a throne. 
Thank you that his rule, his reign, his kingdom will never end. God, we do look forward to that day where we'll dwell with you in heaven perfectly forever. But Father, as we live our life right now, we just pray that you'd help us, that you'd help us see things the way you see them. God, we'd realize there's more going on than what meets the eye. God, would our focus be love, love for you and love for your people. Would you help us practice that Christ-like love and compassion to everyone you put in front of us this week? And Father, again, we, we thank you that your kingdom is unstoppable. We pray that your kingdom would continue to expand and grow through each and every one of us this week. God, that you'd continue to bless and use this church as we reach the lost in our community, that your kingdom would continue growing through highlands. God, we also pray that your, continue would continue, your kingdom would continue growing through all of your other churches here. God, I'm thankful that your kingdom is, is so much bigger than we see. So God, we pray even this week that you'd continue using our friends at Scottsdale Bible Church, at Illuminate Church, at Dream City. God, there's a church right down the road in an elementary school right down the street that just had their grand opening service this morning. God, we pray that you would use them mightily in our community, that your kingdom would continue to grow through all of your gospel preaching churches here in the valley. God, give us a bigger picture of your kingdom. Help us walk with you, follow you, love you. Not just do the rules and do the things and say the things, but God, truly love and follow your son, Jesus. I pray all this in his name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team down front. They would love to pray with you this morning. In fact, it would be a wonderful thing um, if we had lines this morning to pray for. If you would be honest and open and authentic and real with what's going on in your life, there's no shame in coming down and asking Uh, for prayer from these people. They'd love nothing more than to minister to you in that way this morning. We also got a team of people in the back by that giant glowing sign that says, follow Jesus. Maybe this morning you felt the kingdom of God pressing into your heart. Maybe you have felt Jesus calling you into his kingdom. This morning we would love to meet you, to pray with you, to talk with you, help you take your next steps uh, in this thing called faith. We're just trying to follow Jesus together and we would love to help you follow Jesus this morning. What is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is natural, but it's also spiritual. Would we see things this week the way God sees them, not just what's going on at face value, what's just going on on the outside, but we'd be um, honest with the fact that there's probably some things going on behind the scenes as well. What's the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of legalism, but it's a kingdom of love. Let me say this real quick. It's also not a kingdom of license. Just because you're going to heaven doesn't mean you get to live like hell. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll listen. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Why? Because the commands of God are meant to lead us to love for the Lord and to love for the Lord's people. But the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. Would we love him and love each other the way he calls us to? And thirdly and finally, the kingdom of God is unstoppable. Would each of us go out into this world this week as we love God? Would we live on mission and reach the lost and see what God does as he continues to expand this unstoppable kingdom all over our community? We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.